The Pelicans 113-103 loss to the Cleveland Cavaliers is one that's going to make you feel excited, but also make you worried about the remainder of the regular season. Those two things sound contradictory, but they're not, and I'll explain why in today's episode of Locked on Pelicans. Let's go! You are Locked on Pelicans, your daily New Orleans Pelicans podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome to another edition of Locked On Pelicans, the daily podcast covering your favorite team, the New Orleans Pelicans and NBA, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day, available wherever you get your podcasts and on YouTube. I'm your host, Pelicans Insider, credential member of the media, Jake Madison, at NOLA Jake on Twitter. Here with y'all on this Tuesday, back after unfortunately taking yesterday off due to technical difficulties. You can probably guess what that means. But we're back after the Pelicans lose to the Cleveland Cavaliers 113 103 and thank you for making Locked On Pelicans your first listen today and every day. We're here Monday through Friday for y'all breaking down everything you want to know about this Pelicans team, the wins, the losses, the trade targets. Tomorrow's show, let's talk about Brandon Ingram and that injury. Christian Clark wrote a fair article over at NOLA.com. It's been a topic of conversation. When are we going to see him back? I'll break down what I know and kind of my view on this situation since it sounds like a lot of people are torn or aren't really sure what to Thing. So that's coming in tomorrow's episode of Locked on Pelicans. But today we're going to focus on the good and the bad, the glass half full, the glass half empty of this loss to the Cleveland Cavaliers. So first and foremost, this loss was kind of what you expect, right? Like this seems in line with what we've seen this team do and just kind of logically what you would expect from this team. You know, you have a good first three quarters then you struggle in the fourth when talent eventually wins out. And in this case, it was for the Cleveland Cavaliers. You're carried, for the most part, in the first half, really, by Jonas Valanciunas. He was good in this game. He's been good now that they're feeding him a little bit. 22 points on the night, 13 rebounds. Getting to the line and making his free throws, for the most part, 7 of 9. Feed him, let him do some work down low. See if you can get that real big front line of, you know, Evan Mobley and Jaron Allen, maybe in foul trouble for New Orleans or for the Cavaliers, or at least just kind of take it to them. And I thought Jonas did a very good job. 13 points in the first half alone. CJ McCollum then in the third quarter really got it going. He finished with 25 points on the night. He did a real good job of keep shooting even though he struggled in the first half. And of those 25, you know, 21 of them came in the second half. He went out and just kept shooting and was going to try and lead the team. And then it's just not enough. You know, Trey Murphy stepped up 17 points, 14 points for Najee Marshall, right? But the bench then really struggled. Jose Alvarado was the only guy on the bench in double figures. Goes 10 points for Jose, 6 for Devontae, 1 point for Jackson Hayes, and just 4 for Larry Nance Jr. There's just no help there for New Orleans. And look, they're really injured. There's 48 points in street clothes on the bench before you even factor in Herb Jones, who didn't play in this one. This is not a huge surprise, right? Like none of this should be a huge surprise whatsoever. And it went well. They fought. That's a really good thing. They didn't just give up. 
They beat this team for three quarters. You've got to like that. That makes you excited for what they'd be able to do, you know, if they're fully healthy. But keep that in mind. If they're fully healthy, we'll get into that a little bit here in the next segment and in the rest of the show too. You know, they did what they should do. Talent's going to win out, particularly in the fourth when the offense struggled. And that's what I want to look at in the next segment and what they can do about that because they were defended a certain way. And in the fourth quarter, defense ramps up a little bit. Things look a little bit different. And New Orleans doesn't quite have an answer to that. Again, should they without Zion and B.I. out there? I don't know if they should. Guys have stepped up. Najee has stepped up, right? Valanciunas is doing what he can. CJ is doing what he can when they're throwing two or three defenders at him every time. This game, a loss, went about as expected for New Orleans, but there's things that you have to feel good about. They never gave up. For three quarters, they looked like the better team this incredibly shorthanded team belonged with the Cavs who are not elite but they're very good and it makes you look at this from an optimistic sense you know there's some things you can nitpick second chance points 19 for Cleveland just for eight for New Orleans I don't think rebounding is actually a big problem for this team this is just a real bad matchup because the Cleveland Cavaliers are huge and what can you do that's just one of those things it's almost to be expected that they're going to win that sort of battle the bigger issue is the offense and the fourth quarter and the struggles. You know, they're not healthy now, so falling apart in the fourth, not having enough go-to guys makes sense. But let me ask you, you know, when are these other guys coming back? We'll talk about Brandon Ingram tomorrow. When's he coming back? I, I legitimately do not know. Thought I knew at one point was wrong on that. You know, when Zion coming back, is it going to be before the All-Star break, after the All-Star break? You know, he's due for an evaluation in almost exactly a week. Does it mean it's going to be three more weeks from that? One week? Who really knows? So you need to figure out solutions to it because this is kind of the hand that you're dealt. They've stayed third in the Western Conference. That's good. That's a real good thing. They're getting a little bit lucky that teams around them, particularly the Sacramento Kings, aren't taking advantage of this injured period for New Orleans. And two and three on this road trip, honestly, is great. Like, I'll, I think that is a, a win for New Orleans. They could have gone three and two. That's ideal. But when you looked at the teams they were playing, they, they beat the teams that they were expected to beat and that they could beat. And then the tougher teams, Dallas, Boston, and this Cavaliers team, they didn't. And they played well, other than really kind of the uh, the Mavericks game, but I thought they fought hard in the loss to Boston, but they fought hard in this one. And if you put one of Zion or BI back into the lineup in this, it probably tilts in the Pelicans favor this game for sure. And maybe that Celtics game too. That's a good position to be in, to look at will this, if this team ever reaches their ceiling, their full potential, how high that is, but will they? They're certainly not anytime soon. That's a problem. And that's where you start to get a little bit nervous. And I'll explain why coming up here next in today's episode of Locked On Pelicans. Before we do that, though, today's episode of Locked On Pelicans is brought to you by Rocket Money. You know, say goodbye to last year's outdated, disorganized methods of managing your money and say hello to Rocket Money, the better way to hack your finances in 2023. Rocket Money, formerly known as Truebill, is a personal finance app that cancels your unwanted subscriptions, monitors your spending, and helps you lower your bills all in one place. Over 80% of people have subscriptions they forgot about, like that streaming service you bought to just watch one show on or that free trial you never used. They're still charging you. 
You don't want that. Rocket Money is going to quickly and easily identify your subscriptions for you so you can stop paying for the ones that you don't want. So stop throwing your money away. Cancel unwanted subscriptions and manage your expenses the easy way by going to rocketmoney.com slash lockedonmba. That's rocketmoney.com slash lockedonmba. Rocketmoney.com slash lockedonmba. And thank you for making Locked On Pelicans your first listen today and every day. We're free, completely free, and available wherever you get your podcasts and on YouTube. No one else coming to you like this. Well, it shows like almost 24 minutes every single time. It's perfect for your morning commute, your evening commute at the gym. You don't need to break it up in multiple, you know, listens. You don't have time for that. So listen to Lockdown Pelicans in the morning and get everything you need to know about this Pelicans team completely free. Subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. Tell a friend about the show. This Pelicans team is still fun. They're really interesting. We're breaking it all down here. And tomorrow we're going to be talking. I'll give you my thoughts on the Brandon Ingram injury and what's going on and why it's taking so long. Is this a problem? Is it not a problem? But today we're talking about the Pelicans 113-103 loss to the Cleveland Cavaliers. There's reasons to feel good about it. This went as expected. Went as expected. I walked away from that game being like, yep, yep, that's what I thought. I think that's what a lot of people thought. Still disappointing they lose because it feels like they could have won. Except for that fourth quarter. They struggled. They couldn't get really any offense going and really just that's where the game got away from. They're outscored in that one, 35 to 22. They were up three going into the third and then were outscored 35, 22, leading to a double digit victory then for the Cleveland Cavaliers. And again, we could have seen this coming because we've seen it happen before. So this is where you start to get nervous because while, and I'll talk about this more tomorrow and I've talked about it on Fox 8 and on um, WDSU Channel 6 here in New Orleans and on the radio on WWL and ESPN Radio 100.3 a lot recently, you know, they're playing the long game. They're thinking about the playoffs, the postseason, having guys ready to go with that. But these games also do matter for seeding purposes. If you don't care about the seeding, that's one thing. I don't know if New Orleans is in that position to really not care about having home court advantage in the first round or not, or even potentially in the second round. I think that does matter. So if you lose a game today, it does equal a loss in the standings and moves you down. That's not a great position for New Orleans to be in. They've been a little bit lucky that no one has passed them and it's let them kind of hold serve at third in the Western Conference where they've been for a little while. But the offense has really struggled in the fourth quarter. We've seen that. You could see it coming in this game too. In the first half, the Cavaliers were throwing two guys at CJ trying to make him beat, go through two guys, hopefully lead to a turnover or a forced or a bad shot, and he struggled with that. His shooting in the first half was not good. He got it going in the third when he tried to play a little bit quicker, I thought, and get some more early <laughs> offense for the Pelicans, but he was 2 of 9 for 4 points, and 0 for 4 from 3 in the first half. And in the fourth quarter, they kind of tried to do a similar thing to him. Throw two at him, let anyone else beat him, and no one was really able to step up. CJ McCollum shot two of five in the fourth quarter. Seven points, like, okay, three assists, that's good. But when you look at what the offense kind of devolved to, there was no spacing on the court for New Orleans. They weren't respecting the guys that played significant minutes out there. Jose Alvarado, who closed the game with CJ McCollum, is not a spacing threat. Jonas Valanciunas is not either. And then you have Trey Murphy that only took two threes in that quarter. Maybe they need him to take more. 
Najee didn't take a three. He isn't a three-point threat to other teams to really need to guard him. And it kind of made it easy for the Cavaliers to defend CJ and disrupt him a little bit. And if you're disrupting him, New Orleans has a tough time getting the ball to Jonas Valanciunas. He only took one shot um, that went in. He, He got fouled a bunch, but they didn't feed him nearly enough. He should have had more shot attempts and gotten the ball and been a bigger, more focal point of the offense in the fourth. But they have trouble getting him the ball at times. So it kind of relies on CJ at that point just going hero ball, isolation, and the spacing doesn't work for that. And it leads to him missing shots, having two turnovers in the fourth quarter, and New Orleans ultimately only getting the 22 points that they scored. That's not a way that you're going to win very, very many games. And so we've seen this already play out, and this is where you've got to wonder if the coaching staff needs to make some changes. I don't know if there's actually another spacer on the court that would be super good and is the answer for New Orleans here. But maybe you need to try some different things. Maybe you just want to have Dyson Daniels out there for defense. And I'll talk about him more in the next segment because he was awesome. You know, maybe you need to try a guy like Kyra Lewis Jr. who's shown that burst, that aggression to get downhill and attack the basket. And rather than have CJ run the offense, have it go through Kyra attacking and kicking out and let CJ be the spacer rather than the offense's initiator. Are there other lineups you can do? You know, how do you balance the offense and defense that you're going to need? That's been kind of the problem for New Orleans. You know, if they were 0-5 on this road trip, you'd start to panic a little bit more and maybe this becomes kind of a glaring issue. But given that they're 2-3, and it's, it's still okay, but it's not great. Because again, I ask you, when's Brandon Ingram coming back? When is he going to play next? When is Zion going to play next? Is Zion going to play before Brandon Ingram? These are all valid and open questions right now. And these games do matter. There's a way to approach this season, and that's with the long term in mind. Keep guys healthy. Try and peak at the end of the season. If you can get the final 15 games and have your whole team together and they start building that chemistry, kind of clicking, firing on all cylinders like you want, that'll work. But you might be the sixth seed. You might be in the play-in tournament then. Is that a situation you want to go through? What if someone like Paul George last year for the Clippers, right, gets COVID or is in COVID protocols, whatever it was, misses that game, and all of a sudden the Clippers lose in the play-in tournament when they weren't expecting to? They were expected to beat New Orleans, and it looked like they were going to. And if they had Paul George, maybe they do. You know, can you run that risk? I don't know. You know, is getting home court advantage and trying to kind of establish that and build some momentum in a series really important? I think it very well might be. So this, well, they're two and three, and that's a good result on this road trip, and you're happy with that, and you're happy with the team fighting. I love all of that. There's still reasons to be concerned because, yes, the games do matter right now. And New Orleans is losing a little bit more than they're winning, though it's all to be expected till either they make a trade. And if you're interested in trade targets, got two shows on that. We're going to have another show about that, but about not making a trade this week. We'll see what they do, but they could go in any direction right now. And I find it pretty fascinating. <laughs> and it's it's interesting what this team might be able to do. So coming up next, let's look at some of the, the performances from the individual players here. Dyson Daniels, Jackson Hayes, who struggled here. What about Devontae Graham and his minutes? Let's look at those coming up here next in today's episode of Locked On Pelicans. 
Before we do that, though, today's episode of Locked On Pelicans is brought to you by BetOnline.net. BetOnline.net is your number one source for sports betting info, stats, news, and analysis. So get all the latest odds and trends for every professional and amateur league out there, whether it's pro football, um, in the playoffs, to the NBA. They've got it all over at BetOnline.net. So if you love sports podcasts, you can even find those there as well. So BetOnline is always the fastest and easiest way to get your betting info. You can head to the website today. You can also get there on your mobile device to learn more about the trends in action happening over at betonline.net betonline where the game starts and thank you as i still keep coughing and i'm still recovering from <coughs> being pretty sick over the the christmas season here but we're still going through with the shows and everything um so thank you for making locked on pelicans your first listen today and every day we're here monday through friday for y'all breaking down everything you want to know about the team but if you want to know about everything that happened in the nba i got two shows for you first and foremost there's locked on nba i'm going to be on there tomorrow give it a listen i'm on there every wednesday it's our national show and now for your second listen, go listen to Game to Game NBA. Every moment, every top performance, every result. You see the minute videos I do right after every game. I put them on Twitter. I put them on YouTube as well. All of our hosts do that, and they all get compiled into one show. So you get both sides, the home and the away team, for every game giving you their local take. They're the experts. It's something only Locked On can deliver. Game to Game on the Locked On NBA channel, available wherever you get your podcasts and on YouTube. All right, we're talking about the Pelicans' 113-103 loss to the Cleveland Cavaliers. You know, disappointing fourth quarter. There's reasons to be excited about this team still. There's reasons to be worried about the offense in the fourth because this is something that's happened against good teams. They're good enough to beat mediocre to bad teams. Detroit, the Wizards certainly do that while shorthanded. But against some of the top teams with real good talent, it doesn't work nearly as well. And you saw it in this Cavaliers game, in that Boston game too, to a lesser extent, the games, you really saw it actually against the Brooklyn Nets won that home loss, and then to a lesser extent, the um, Mavericks game as well. This one though, you got a real good performance from Dyson Daniels. Everything he does does not show up in the stat sheet, but I thought he was outstanding. Would like him to be a little bit more assertive offensively in terms of his own scoring, but man, the kid is special defensively. He had four points. You're going to look at that and be like, what? But he also had four steals in the first half and was making additional defensive plays throughout the entirety of the game. He was great. He was good in transition defense. He was staying on his guys, on Darius Garland, on Donovan Mitchell, really giving them a tough time and not making their life easy. And New Orleans in general did a good job on both of those guys. Donovan Mitchell, who left the game early with an injury, only played 22 minutes, three of nine. Darius Garland, two of 22, still finished with 30 points with his three-point shooting and got to the line seven times. But they did a good job of limiting the two main guys for the Cleveland Cavaliers. Tells you that this game was winnable for New Orleans if they just had a little bit more star power, a little bit more talent. They could have gotten the victory in this one. So Dyson was a big reason why, keeping that... um, Cavaliers offense in check I thought he needs to be a little bit more aggressive offensively that's looking to shoot or looking to score at the rim doing some of those things he gets down low and does that Steve Nash dribble a lot where you just don't let the ball go and kind of run circles around the defense waiting for someone to cut and trying to kind of create a little bit of confusion but look to shoot he's got really good size try and take advantage of that particularly in the fourth quarter when they struggled with some of those long rebounds off of missed threes 
his size there could be useful. They they probably need to consider closing games with Dyson Daniels, but he's shown at times, particularly with the free throw shooting, maybe he's not the most reliable as a rookie there. And that's okay. He's still growing. Jackson Hayes, I really thought struggled in this game. He played almost 10 minutes and like really was just like a detriment to the team. It seemed like making some kind of weird decisions, you know, not making the plays that he wanted, went for a dunk that didn't end up being a dunk and missed or was blocked. And then not great defensively, either fouling a three point shooter and all of that, you know, you have high hopes for him, right? He got back into the rotation. He kind of sees that opportunity a little bit, but this has been the issue with him. There's a lot of inconsistency there and they've paired that inconsistency a lot with a guy like Devonte Graham, who I actually thought was okay in this game. But his shooting hasn't been what you want, and you need some more offense from that bench. I mean, that's a guy like Billy Hernan Gomez, right? I, I think at this point it might be time to try him again. He also seems a little bit discontent on this Pelicans team, maybe hoping that he's going to get traded so that he has a larger role and an opportunity to play more on a different squad. But if Jax is going to do what he did in this game, I think you should try Billy. It can't be worse. If you need rebounds and scoring, that's kind of what he does. He doesn't give you a ton of defense. He doesn't space the court, certainly. If you need some points with that second unit that's struggling to get them, outside of Jose Alvarado in this game, you could probably do worse. You know, this team's shorthanded right now, and they only played nine guys. You probably could have played 10, I thought, in this one, as we've seen them do before. Maybe it's Kyra Lewis Jr. too, just to give you a little bit of a spark on that second unit. Something, right? Particularly if it means you have a bigger lead going into the fourth when you know you're going to face a storm from the opponent, Well, if you have a 15-point lead, that's different than a 3-point lead. Or if you have a 10-point lead, that's much better than a 3-point lead and allows you to weather that run the opponent's going to inevitably make while you're shorthanded just a little bit easier. We'll see if they make some changes. You know, they're going to be home soon, but there's tough games coming up. This is not an easy stretch for the Pelicans in terms of their schedule. Miami's playing better, but they're not great. We'll see see if there's any changes or any differences made in this game on Wednesday. So that's going to do it for this episode of Locked on Pelicans. Thank you all so much for listening. As always, I'm your host, Jake Madison, at Nola Jake on Twitter. It's Tuesday night. I will be in Devlin Fieldhouse watching Tulane take on the number one team. I'm excited for that one. Fun hoops week here in New Orleans and then the game on Wednesday. Tomorrow, Brandon Ingram show. Let's talk about his injury, what it means, what's going on. I'll break it all down for you. That's coming up tomorrow, and I'll see you all then.